G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. I want to talk through things today. What works, what doesn't when you share your faith? Well, depending on who you talk to, this is either the hardest time to share your Christian faith with Aussies or it's the easiest time. Uh, Sounds a bit unusual, doesn't it? Well, there is this rising anti-Christian sentiment And there are some that want to silence a Christian voice. But with so many emerging social challenges and the emptiness that so many people feel, it may be that this is, in fact, the easiest time to have a meaningful conversation about Christian faith. Well, there have been special days this year, like the Global Outreach Day, you might remember, which was a reminder that sharing your faith with other people is critically important As populations grow, as demographics change, and as, of course, there is an increasing multicultural mix in Australian society, and the way that the nation is shaped is undergoing some levels of transformation. So there's an important question for people who are serious about being an active Christian. What works and what doesn't when you share your faith? Perhaps we could call our conversation today the make-it-or-break-it gospel message. Well, Stu Miller is the founder of Train to Proclaim with the Gospel in 7 app and a passion for equipping ordinary Australians to become effective soul winners. Stu Miller, a special welcome back to 2020. Thank you, Neil. Great to be here. Stu, uh, if you're sharing your faith with others uh, with a right motive, uh, relying on God's power, uh, can you really break it? I mean, talking about make it and break it, can you really break it if you're having a go? (laughs) Well, I always maintain, Neil, that the only real thing that you can do wrong with evangelism is to do nothing. (laughs) Uh, Well, in in actual fact, there'll be uh, no doubt, uh, you know, a listener or two uh, who is saying, well, uh, yeah, I'm that person. I'm the one uh, you're talking about. I'm the one who's not doing anything. And that's for lots of reasons, uh, you know, Uh, courage, confidence, uh, all sorts of, you know, my inability to really even grasp what this direction might be. Mm. And so I suppose there is that person who is likely to glean a lot from our conversation today. And and I think if we have a heart-to-heart type conversation that this is an issue that so many people face, Mm. uh, this is one of the big things, isn't it? That there are so many Christian believers who turn up to church on Sunday, they're warming the pew, but... They're not really engaging in these sorts of conversations during the week. Mm. Well, that's very true. I mean, Campus Crusade for Christ statistics say only 2% of Christians in the Western church regularly share their faith. And uh, Jesus said to go into all the world and preach the gospel. It was his final words to us before he left earth. So if this is his last words, uh, if this is his, what we call the Great Commission, and, and uh, practically every church I know of that uh, has got a mission statement, if you read it, it's something like knowing God and making him known. 
We know this is our mission. We've got to reach our community. We know people around us are dying without Christ, going to a Christless eternity. Uh, we know people need to hear the gospel because it's the power of God for salvation for everyone who believes. And it's such a powerful message that's changed our lives, and, and we want to see other people's lives change. We want to see them come to know Jesus too. But the challenge is, well, how in our culture, Neil, do we reach people that sometimes may seem like they're a bit resistant and, uh, you know, in our culture, it's not quite like when you go overseas on a mission trip where there's a very communal culture and everyone's happy to talk with you. <laughs> you know, some people are very individualistic, very consumer, materialistic. They're just in their own world. They don't even know their own neighbors' names, let alone, you know, wanting a conversation about uh, sex, religion or politics, you know, the three no-nos. Uh, so it can be a real challenge in our culture to be able to communicate, but it's not impossible. It's not impossible. You raise a really important point here that there are so many people now completely isolated Mm. from the gospel. Mm -hmm. And so there would be a percentage of Australians, and uh, I forget what the figures are off the top of my head from some research, but there's a percentage of Australians. This is Mm. here in Australia uh, where there are so many churches, so many expressions of Christian faith, but there are people who have never heard the good news, the gospel message that we are called to carry. That sounds almost impossible to us, but it's not just uh, just particular isolated groups. Perhaps there's a language barrier. It's people who are in you know certain cultures within society who are just never exposing themselves to anything to do with this gospel truth. That is absolutely correct. And we sort of think of, of overseas. We'll go overseas to an unreached people group, you know, <laughs> and uh, we want to go to where the gospel's never gone before sort of thing. But many, many people in our society here in Australia have never heard the gospel message. And I'm not just talking about, you know, immigrants that have come in that, that you know, haven't been exposed to, uh, you know, our culture. I'm talking about people, you know, everyday Australians that have lived in this country for all their lives. I meet people in their 50s and their 60s when I talk to them and they've never actually heard a clear presentation of the gospel. They've heard about Easter, they've heard about Christmas, you know, Jesus died on the cross, Jesus came as a baby, but they don't know the significance of that or how that relates to their lives. Now, I've got a question on our Facebook page today, mm-hmm. and uh, it's inviting a response from listeners, and you might like to respond. Our talkback lines will be open very shortly, but you mm-hmm. might like to respond on our Facebook page. Uh, the question, when you share your faith with others, what works and what doesn't? All right, it's a simple question. Mm-hmm. Uh, then there's another question that says, how important is confidence in all of that? And then another question, how is the Christian led by the Holy Spirit. Now, oh. this is interesting here because mm. I'll be interested in uh, some feedback from listeners because uh, you might like to respond here. And we might not be able to reflect everyone's comments, but uh, there could be a little bit of a conversation that begins yeah. on Facebook about these things. First of all, when we ask people to respond to those sorts of questions, mm-hmm. uh, this is an interesting one, Stu, because in a very secularized society, we're thinking mechanically I say some things and we get into a discussion. Sometimes it gets into an argument and uh, then they either agree or they don't. Mm -hmm. But there's a God factor in this message. Let's just reflect on that for a moment because the ministry power of the Holy Spirit when the gospel is shared. How do you describe that when you're talking to people about uh, these issues of sharing your faith? Well, 
I think the first thing we need to understand is that it's not about us. It's about God and his world, his universe, and how he's connecting with his creation, uh, including us as, as a people. And so understanding that, because we sort of think it's all about me and I've got to convert people. Well, I can't convert anyone. People say to me, hey, Stu, how many people have you converted? And I say, zero. And I'm like, what? You're a full-time evangelist. How is that possible? <laughs> I say, well, God's converted lots of people. And it's, you know, John 6.65 says, no one comes to the Son unless they're drawn by the Father. And if you look up that word no one in Greek, uh, this is very profound, Neil. It means no one. <laughs> yep. And no one on the face of this planet has ever come to know Jesus Christ unless they've been drawn by God. It's a divine work of the Holy Spirit moving on someone's heart and drawing them to himself. And so we've got to understand that. That's, that's step one. So obviously we have a part in God's great rescue plan for the world. He's told us to go out and share the gospel, which is a powerful message unto salvation. And so we're a part of what God's doing, but the, the major power of conversion comes from God himself. And when we understand that, it relieves a huge weight off our shoulders because we don't need to save the world. Jesus is the savior of the world. We just need to do our part of what God's asked us to do, share the gospel, and then just pray and trust that the, the Holy Spirit would do his work. And when those promptings come, now mm-hmm. this is interesting because if I am in a conversation and all of a sudden I recognize mm-hmm. that something has been said there that I can make a Christian response yes. that will open up an opportunity to share my faith. Mm-hmm. Is that something that happened by accident or is that something that perhaps is divinely inspired and God is waiting for me to respond? Uh, give us some insight here, Stu, because uh, you're in the conversation, uh, something comes up and you might be taking a risk. Uh, it might be an issue of courage or, you know, how do you feel about these things? Well, I'm actually in two minds about it, to be honest, because sometimes I don't want Christians to only operate when they feel like they're being led by the Holy Spirit. And sometimes I've, I've said to people, you know, people have said to me, you know, I, I, I just, I don't really want to be mechanical about it or have a presentation tool or do it in a certain way. I just want to be led by the Spirit and I'll just talk to people, you know, when I feel led. And so that's very feelings based. Um, I've had many, many times, Neil, when I've, when I've gone out evangelizing and I haven't felt any leading at all by the Holy Spirit to a particular person, but I've gone there and then afterwards or partway through the conversation they say, this is incredible. I was, I was sitting here and I was thinking, is there a God? I was actually just prayed like, I said, God, are you there? If you're really there, show me. And then you came along and started talking to me about God, you know. <laughs> and I've had many, many divine encounters and, and you can sense the Holy Spirit at the time uh, moving upon their heart. And you know it's a divine encounter, but you didn't really feel it before it actually happened until you stepped out in faith and, and did what we've been commanded to do, which is share the gospel. And then there's other other times, Neil, when I've really felt a strong lead, leading of the Holy Spirit to someone, and it seems like it's a flop. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I, I know God's led me to that person, and even though on the surface it didn't seem like it, you know, they were then you know fall down on their knees and and repent and give their lives to Christ. Um, you know, and sometimes they may even seem a little bit disinterested, but I know that God had led me and there was a reason for that. So feelings yeah. are deceptive they are. because uh, if you only wait to feel good about doing something and feel as though that's some sort of a di- divine encounter, that's a complete irrelevance because mm. 
the power of God in yes. the message of the gospel is what he brings to the conversation, mm. whether you feel good about it or not. Uh, that's, right. that's an important aspect. And uh, just enlarge on that for a second here, Stu, because uh, mm. this is, I suspect, how the church has grown, because mm. people have put their sometimes their lives on the line to share this message of the gospel. Mm. They didn't feel particularly good about that as they were going through times of persecution, but they did it anyway, and the church has grown because mm. this is a divine encounter yes. that God sets up whether you feel good about it or not. Mm. And, and we're called to walk by faith and not by sight. And if we only look for those external uh, evidences of God working or doing something or someone agreeing, then you know we will never reach the whole world. So when we step out in faith, knowing that we've been commanded to do this and knowing that it's right because Jesus has said, go into all the world. He didn't say go into part of the world <laughs> or just go to that person but not to that person. Uh, he wants us to go into all the world and preach the gospel. And when we're obedient in that, I believe God blesses it and I believe that he goes before us and sets up those divine opportunities. Uh, yeah, so we walk by faith, not by sight. Okay, now there's three main ways that we share our faith. Mm -hmm. uh, the idea of waiting for the opportunity to come to you, mm -hmm. uh, which is, as we were saying, is sort of mostly the way probably that the majority of Christians are going about sharing their faith. Uh, sure. Wait till the opportunity comes, yep. and then, uh, and sometimes reluctantly, then uh, getting into the conversation. <laughs> right. Uh, the second type is to be that person who does look for opportunities, mm -hmm. and that's a little bit similar to waiting till the opportunities come to you. But at least you've got this sort of conscious awareness mm, and more focus. And there's this third way that you've alluded to, and that is the way that you might intentionally create an opportunity, yes. whether you feel like it's a divine encounter or not. Mm. Uh, but there's uh, just uh, take us into some of these three real main ways that we do approach this, Stu, because uh, I know there's probably some good and some bad things in all of them. Sure. I mean, uh, we know that the Bible says that, that we should always be ready to give an account of the hope that is within us. And so that's a scripture that's often quoted to me by people who uh, say, you know, when I ask them what they do for evangelism, they say, I shine my light. I live a good life and, and hope that Jesus, you know, people see Jesus in me. And, and I'm always ready to give an account of the hope if someone asks me. But the reality is, Neil, that most people don't just come up to you and ask you. I mean, it was amazing before, just before I, I when I was on my way here, I popped into the service station and as I drove in, uh, and I came up to the person behind the till, they came out from behind the, the counter and they got on their knees and they said, I see the halo around your head, Stuart. You must be a, you must be a Christian. What must I do to be saved? And I thought, hmm, maybe this is an opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> now, of course, I'm being facetious. Yeah. Uh, it's just a joke. But what, when, when it have, has that ever happened to you, Neil? <laughs> No, uh, no, I, I don't think anyone's ever said I have any sort of halo. <laughs> well, most of the time, opportunities don't come to us. We need to either be focused and 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 turn a conversation around, like you're talking before, which is really that that second thing you're talking about. You know, trying to create that opportunity within a conversation, or we actually intentionally uh, start a conversation about Jesus uh, and try to share the gospel with people. So the first one, like you say, most Christians are engaged in that, but 
over the course of their life, there may be one or two occasions when someone actually asks them, oh, you're a Christian, what do you believe about such and such? And it does happen, but it's very, very rare. If we're going to reach the whole world for Christ, that's not a good strategy. (laughs) Wait for everyone to come to you. We've got to go, like Jesus said. He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. A biblical perspective on life, culture, and current events. This is 2020 on Vision Christian Radio. Stu Miller from Train to Proclaim is our guest. We're talking about sharing our faith, a make it or break it gospel message, 1-800-316-316. You can join in our conversation. In fact, why don't we take a call or two and just uh, let listeners in on this, Stu, because, uh, you know, we can't pretend we've got all the answers here. Let's get some thoughts. Kevin is in Parks. Hello, Kevin. Welcome along. Good morning, Stu and um, Neil. How are you going? Very well, Kevin. What are your thoughts for our conversation? Mate, I am delighting hearing what you guys are saying. Um, you're, you're right on the money. Like all the points that you've um, you've talked about, um, I've found in my walk over the last thirty years as a Christian that um, without even really knowing much about that, there are things that God's led me in. Whether it be hearing His voice at two a.m. in the morning and have to be somewhere, you just know you've got to be there, or going out on a deliberate prayer walk to make yourself available um, to be used by God, or going to a pub and striking up conversations. Um, I've used all those methods, and um, I just want to say I'm really delighting in this conversation you guys are having. It's just wonderful. (laughs) Kevin, this is an interesting one. I'll just get Stu's thoughts on, because when you say going to a pub, Mm. now that might be one of those intentional things that you do, but Mm -hmm. in church life, sometimes you might feel as though people might frown on you for turning up at the hotel. Uh, Have you done that sort of thing, Kevin, and and you've, you've turned up at the hotel with the intention of sharing your faith? Yeah, many times. Um, and yeah, I know exactly what you're saying. Uh, I was actually seen in a pub, throwing my head back, having a good laugh. Um, and I got called up before the elders um, the following week at church because I was told I was drunk in the, in the pub. <laughs> All um, right. Where- Okay. I, was, I, was actually, I was actually drinking water at the time, so there was no chance of that. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, no, many times I've, I've um, gone into, into the clubs, even just um, having a beer with a guy last night and just chatting. Um, about about things and business and chooks and um, and and God came up as well. So, um, yeah, no. you know, we could get into a deep conversation about Christians and alcohol. And uh, ordinarily, we will say that uh, Christians ought to avoid drunkenness. Uh, mm. That doesn't mean that all alcohol is evil. But uh, you've actually used this, Kevin. Uh, even as an opportunity to be able to break the ice and reach out to people who wouldn't normally darken the door of a church. And uh, that's an important factor. Is that something that you've always held? How did that sort of grow in you that uh, you realised you needed to do that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I haven't been drunk since I was 22. I'm now 48. Um, so, and I enjoy a beer. I'm thinking about doing home brew actually, just to get back into um making more connections with people. But I, remember, I remember one time I was living in Sydney and um, God told me to go to Mortdale Pub. And um, I thought, oh, great, I'll go up for, for a beer. And I walked in and this big Samoan guy walks up to me and he said, you're a Christian, aren't you? And he grabbed my beer and went over to the poker <laughs> machines. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, strike, what, you know, what do I say here? So I went over and got my beer back. And um, I said, how did you know I was a Christian? He goes, mate, the moment you walked in here, this bright light came in with you. And um, we ended up leaving the pub, and he gave his heart to the Lord out the front of his wow. house. Wow. 
Um, so, so I certainly do know those times that the light of Christ lives inside us and just wants to get out. As soon as you walk into a dark place, he just seems to shine. And um, it's just having that availability and going when he says, isn't it? It's, what um, an amazing testimony, Kevin. Uh, let's get yeah, no, Stu Miller. <laughs> what are you feeling when you hear Kevin tell those stories? Oh, look, I'm I'm delighted. You know, I, I sort of think, you know, particularly hearing about your elders, you know, racking you over the coals <laughs> over that. I just think you're in good company, Kevin, because Jesus was racked over the coals by the religious leavers for for fellowshipping with the prostitutes and the tax collectors and and the those common people and those sinners, you know, but he was called a friend of sinners. Now, you know, uh, oh my goodness, today, shouldn't we be like Jesus? Shouldn't we be accused of the same things? And, and unfortunately, you have been, <laughs> Kevin. And, uh, but, you know, just be encouraged that you're in good company and you're doing what Jesus did and uh, being criticized for the same thing. We've got to engage with people in our communities, and if we stay in our churches and our in our homes, and we never join a sports club or go to the pub or do anything where other people are that we can meet and engage and talk with, uh, how relevant are we really? Kevin, thank you so much for calling in, and uh, it actually is really refreshing to hear that response. Kevin from Parks, uh, thanks for being with us on 2020. And before we take another call, I might just sort of uh, one little caution here. Sure. Uh, because, you know, when you say, you know, Jesus hanging out with uh, the publicans and uh, and the prostitutes, mm-hmm. well, I think that there are going to be times when uh, turning up at the brothel mm-hmm. uh, or at the hotel, uh, you you are actually opening yourself to some issues here which, you know, as an influence on others uh, may actually be disputable and uh, questionable. So uh, there is a caution there. Sure. Uh, but uh, refreshing to hear of Kevin who mm. intentionally uh, goes to the hotel and looks for opportunities and that's something mm. uh, that's really significant for our conversation today. Let's take another call. Maria is in Grafton in New South Wales. Hi, Maria. Welcome along. Hello. Maria, what are your thoughts? I thought that my experience, like, to sharing gospel, like, myself is, I don't know, this is work for all of, all of Christians, but I pray a lot, and then, like, I ask God to open opportunity and, you know, to be ready uh, anytime to sharing. But in that also, we need to look, like, you know, create opportunity, because I was experienced a uh, little bit teaching uh, in Christian school, so one of the young lady uh, coming from background uh, doesn't believe Christ, and then every time I just like try, you know, he doesn't like me, and then I just okay, I pray, and then I in process that I pray, but every time I came to her, I always tell, "Hi, God love you, you are beautiful," and continue. I done that, and then in my prayer, I continue bring her to to God. And you know what? Praise the Lord. The uh, couple, three years now, since I've been like you know, like planting the seed, planting the seed, and then, uh, yeah, three years she coming, you know, come to know Christ, and now uh, she like be, uh, make me like I'm as a mother, a spiritual mother. So I kind of like, wow, Lord, that, that's that's really. I was just like, oh, joy to see in that. Like we can um, myself, I've been praying like one soul at a time, Lord, one soul at a time. And give you faithful to pray for each one of that, you know? Maria, I am thrilled to hear your story here too. Stu, about 90 seconds out from news, but uh, your response for Maria. 
Oh, that's wonderful to hear, Maria. And it's uh, what I'm hearing from you is you've got to focus. You you want to share the gospel. You want to engage, even with people who who didn't necessarily like you. You know, and you, you've you've persevered. You've been focused. You've trusted God because you've prayed and you've relied on the Holy Spirit to do the work. You've known that you can't do it yourself. And uh, all those factors together, if every Christian in this nation could be focused on reaching others, would persevere even though it doesn't seem like it's doing anything and trust that God is doing something, wow, wouldn't we see some fantastic results like you've had, Maria? Maria from Grafton, thank you so much for your call. Our talkback line remains open on 1-800-316-316. Just before we go to news, Stu, this idea of Maria saying, I pray, Mm. and uh, I pray lots, and big things start to happen. Uh, But a lot of people are not praying. A very Mm -hmm. quick response. Oh, it's absolutely essential because it's God's work. <laughs> Jesus is the Savior of the world and not us. And so if we understand that, we've, we've got to trust that God would move in their hearts. And so we pray before we, we reach people. We pay after we reach people. Uh, it's God's work. And Stu, uh, the phone is running hot. So why don't we take a call or two before sure. we get back into this? Uh, just a reminder, just before we take another call, we were talking about three main ways that people share their faith. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes just waiting for the opportunity to come to you, uh, sometimes looking out for the opportunities, and mm. then uh, there's that crucial, I think, a third one, the idea of intentionally creating opportunities. Yes. So we're going to talk some more to those things, but let's take some calls. Uh, Robin is waiting patiently in Queensland. Hello, Robin. Welcome along. Yes, hi. Um, look, I was really encouraged on um, the last few callers. Very, very refreshing, and, you, and mm. you're... Your views do too. Um, it, it's so important that uh, Christians do have a real love for the Lord and um, and His Word, the mm. Bible, because um, that's where the harvest is going to come from. So I think sometimes people manipulate or try to manipulate people, just come to church. Well, I mean, that's very often not the answer, especially when uh, a lot of people in churches think that the whole idea is that they've People have got to come in and measure up to these moral laws. You know, people met, I mean, Jesus met people where they were at. Mm. He had a personal relationship with them. He loved them. And they changed because of his presence with them. Mm. You can't just manipulate people all the time. Just come to church. And, and, and it, it's, it's sometimes it just is so um, sad. Uh, interesting thoughts there, Robin. Let's get a response from Stu. Yeah, Robin, that's um, uh, very interesting because a, a lot of people in churches think the goal is to get people to church rather than the goal is to introduce them to Jesus. And they are two very, very different things. And I would say that a lot of people uh, who aren't church going uh, are not ready to come to church. <laughs> in fact, um, for, for me, I would uh, delay inviting them to church until you know they understand the gospel and have some questions answered and maybe understand a little bit about that. You know, because the church can be quite a different you know cultural environment for them, and they could come in and go, "What the heck is this? Where yeah. am I?" Whereas, and the goal is not to introduce them to church and to introduce them to Jesus. And down the track, if people come to know Jesus, we'd obviously want to see them come along and be a part of a church in time. Um, but yeah, very, very true what you're saying. Thank you so much to Robin in Mount Morgan. And before we take another call, there is something here that uh, that might be 
worthy of comment here because the idea of, oh, I must share my faith apart from people because I'm sharing the message of Jesus, not about the church, but for a lot of people, they recognize they don't have confidence themselves to explain this message of the mm-hmm. gospel, but they realize that the pastor at church on Sunday gives sure. an altar call at the end of every message. Mm. And so the church is still a relevant way yes. of introducing people to the gospel, even though there might be a little bit of a cultural challenge for some people coming into a church environment. The mm. church evangelism is still very powerful, and some might even argue, Stu, as still the most powerful way that people are mostly acting when they are evangelizing. Yeah, well, I think uh, I've probably got a couple of comments to that. One is that um, definitely when a church has a focused service, an evangelistic service, and they and you can invite someone along and they know that the gospel is going to be clearly communicated, that's a wonderful opportunity. Just the same as, as uh, you know, going to a Billy Graham event or a, uh, an outreach event of some sort is a focused event where you can invite someone along knowing that they're going to hear the gospel and have an opportunity to respond. That is a wonderful thing. That's more come and see evangelism. But I think the heart of the Great Commission is go and tell. Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. So I, the, the, my reservation with the come and see evangelism is that uh, not that it isn't good, because it is, uh, but my reservation is that sometimes we get the impression as Christians that this is what evangelism is, inviting my friend or someone I know along to church, along to a meeting where that guy up the front, he'll preach the gospel, (laughs) rather than taking responsibility for myself and saying, Jesus has asked me to go into all the real world and preach the gospel. I'm going to take the gospel to the world. I'm going to go to the, to the people who won't come to church, uh, who wouldn't you know, darken the door of a church building, but still needs to hear the gospel and still needs to come to know Jesus. So it's not either or either. It's, it's both. Um, we need to invite people along to particularly evangelistic-focused events in our churches, but also we need to take responsibility in our day-to-day lives and sharing with our neighbors and our workmates and, and even strangers in the course of our lives with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Great clarity. 1-800-316-316. Let's hear from Bonnie in Serena in Queensland. Hello, Bonnie. Welcome along. Good morning. How are we? Very well, thank you. What are your thoughts for our conversation today? Well, I think a lot of the time um, the beginning of evangelism is just being Christian in our community. Um, Not necessarily... um, talking the gospel but being the gospel like like the caller before me said jesus met the um, people where they were he didn't take them to church um and my husband and i are um very new christians like you know as in a couple of quite a few years but we weren't christians when we had our children so our children in their in their 20s they're not christians at the moment but they say to us that the best thing about us being becoming Christians is how much we do with other people, like people that we don't know and, and you know, just offering to help out. Um, that's one thing that, like, one of my daughters, she always comments, you know, how, how, how much we help other people now. Um, and I, I think that is the way that we evangelise um, ourselves right at this point in time. And we... we We'll probably get to the point where we, you know, can openly talk to people straight off the bat about how wonderful Jesus is and how much different, um, how much different our lives are now that uh, we are Christians and 
and we've asked Jesus into our life. Bonnie, but you're making a great point here. It's oftentimes that people are watching our behaviours. They're watching the way we speak. Uh, they're seeing the way we're raising our families. They come over for dinner and we stop and we say, uh, let's pause for a moment while we say grace. I mean, there's a lot of things that you do which are like, I would think, are like a pre-evangelism. People are watching us before mm. they want to hear what we've got to say. And that is an important dimension in the gospel message because it's not just uh, a battle of ideas, the gospel. Mm. The gospel is about transformed lives. That's so right. the transformed life has its, um, is its own message message, Stu. What are your thoughts for Bonnie? Well, our walk and our talk have got to be the same. We can't just go around preaching about Jesus and then not live a life that reflects the the change that Jesus has made in our lives. We should, we've should, good deeds should be a part of every Christian's life, and uh, and we should be honouring to to Jesus as as his ambassador in the world. And so, I think you, you make some really good points, Bonnie, about uh, how we've got to live it out in the community, and people should be able to look at our lives and see that. But what I would say is that we can't just stop there. We can't just live a good life and hope that people will go, oh, well, I'm a Christian and therefore um, I'll come a Christian. Because the way of salvation is a, is a message and it has to be explained to people so that they too can come to know the way of salvation. And they're not going to find that way of salvation by osmosis. It's not going to sort of just leak from us to them. It needs to be explained at some stage. And so whilst I would applaud every Christian Making sure that they're walking their talk of the same and they're living a godly life. They're, 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 you know, they're, they're doing lots of pre-evangelism things, you know, good works in the community. We've got to then take it to the next level and so, and explain the gospel message because the gospel's the power of God unto salvation. Uh, so very, very important to have both. Thank you so much to Bonnie in Serena. Let me throw in uh, something like a spanner in the works here. Sure. Uh, what about when we're talking about the message of the gospel? And uh, Bonnie, wonderful reflection on uh, her and her family uh, being seen uh, to be Christian believers. Uh, the behaviours change. What about the person who is, uh, you know, well, let's uh, let's just lay it right out here. Maybe I'm the sort of person who's a little bit obnoxious. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's part of my personality, and I can't really change that. Uh, you know, maybe it's not something that I'm I'm even trying to change. What if I'm a person who gets it wrong? Uh, maybe I've done a deal in business, and uh, you know that didn't look all that Christian. Uh, what if I'm the sort of person who you know regularly under criticism because I haven't got everything right? What if I'm a scoundrel? What if mm-hmm. I'm just so far less than perfect uh, that you know then? And I'm the one who's out there saying. Uh, let's have a conversation. Let me share the gospel with you. Uh, what about the power of the message when my life doesn't necessarily line up uh, with, uh, you know, being uh, you know the next best thing to holiness? That's a very interesting point. But I don't find you obnoxious at all, Neil. <laughs> oh, I, I don't that. think that's a good description of you. <laughs> no, seriously, the, the, uh, none of us are perfect. And I think part of the problem with this whole let's live a good life and reflect Jesus and that let that be our evangelism. That sort of a strategy is that none of us are perfect and we're, eventually we're going to stuff up and then people, oh, you're a Christian and you look what you did. And the reality is that none of us are Jesus. None of us are perfect and our, you know, our lives aren't going to be perfect. But we obviously want to honor Christ and be the best ambassadors for him that we can possibly be. 
obviously we want to do that. But I think the key is when we're sharing the gospel, and I do this and uh, in the G7, uh, when we're asking questions about the person, about what they've done wrong, it starts with, I've done this, have you? I've told a lie, have you? Have I've stolen something, have you? And when we put it that way, we're not saying, I'm holier than thou, I've got this all together, you know, my life's perfect. We're saying, look, I'm a sinner. I'm the first to admit it. What about you? Will you admit it as well? And Jesus came to save sinners, not perfect people. <laughs> so he came to save me because I'm not perfect, because I do things wrong. And I'm not going to rely on my life being the testimony. I'm going to rely on Jesus, the perfect one, being the one that uh, transforms people's lives. And so this is why I say to you, Neil, it's not about us. It's about God and what he's doing. And so when we sort of put the focus on us, if we've got to live a really good life, you know, uh, it, it becomes about us and the pressure's on us to do it. But God's the one saving people. And I think the most important thing, particularly if we know we've got some character issues and, and we've failed and, you know, is to apologize and to say, look, I stuff things up. And if we're humble and people go, hey, you're not saying that you're perfect. You're not saying you're holier than thou. People can then understand that and they go, well, if you needed saving, then maybe I do too. I'm thinking of David, King David, mm-hmm. who was known to be a man after God's own heart. That's right. In all of his imperfections, mm-hmm. he had this aspiration to be uh, the the man who would be reflective of the character of God, but mm-hmm. recognized that he fell short. I forget who said this saying, but there's a wonderful saying that brings things into a wonderful context for me when I think of it. In this world, we are saints among sinners, mm-hmm. but before God, we are all sinners saved by grace. Mm-hmm. Now, brings into context the fact that we are different mm-hmm. to those who are not saved. You know, where believers are different to non-believers, mm-hmm. but before God, we are seriously just that one who is uh, one beggar showing another beggar how to find bread. Uh, we've exactly got right. this. We are recipients of God's grace, mm. and therefore, this idea of needing to be good enough, mm. perfect enough to before I'll share my faith, that really just goes out the door, doesn't it? Mm, absolutely. I mean, when you read through the scriptures, um, you see all the heroes <laughs> of the faith. You look at, you know, you look at David, and he was an adulterer. You look at Moses, and he, he was a uh, he was a murderer. You know, you look at Noah, and he was a drunk. You know, you look at Paul. He wrote the most of the New Testament, and he was a—you could call him a serial killer if you wanted to, because he'd killed so many Christians. Not just persecutor of the yeah, church. He was a persecutor of the church. These people had done horrific things, and yet they're, they're, they're the, like the heroes in the Bible. And you say, "Well, how can this be?" But the fact is that we're all sinners. It's, it's really easy to point the finger at other people, but. All of us are struggling with sin. We're all sinners. And it's only by the grace of God, it's only by, through Jesus Christ, that we are saved. And so we've got to, com- we've got to communicate this with the, those in the world because there's a perception out there, Neil, that, you know, you're a hypocrite if you do something wrong because you claim to be a Christian. You know, and it's like, well, no, 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 no. It's because I'm a, I'm a Christian because I know I'm not perfect. <laughs> I'm not claiming to be perfect, but there's a perception that we are claiming to be holier than thou, and we've got to get rid of that, and we've got to say, look, I'm the first to admit that I stuff things up all the time. 
And, you know, when we have in our local church communion, and sometimes that's every week, sometimes once a month, uh, mm. occasionally in some churches, but interestingly, isn't it, Stu, that when we recognize that we are works in progress, mm-hmm. that when we do recognize that we've fallen short, mm-hmm. sin has really captivated us in some areas of our heart, that when we can come to that communion table, which is really an expression of God's grace, we yes. are reminded afresh that we are sinners saved by grace. Mm. And as we share this message of the gospel, it's not about us. As you started saying at the beginning of our conversation, this is not about me. This is about what God is doing. That's right. Uh, powerful things to be un- understood in all of that. Look, let's. Uh, we're running short of time. Let's take some calls here. Phil is in WA. Hello, Phil. Welcome along. Hello, Neil. How are you going? Very well, Phil. What are your thoughts? Um, I'm just sort of listening along here and thinking we're missing a bit of what I've found to be amazing is that where Jesus said in John fifteen five, apart from me, you can do nothing. Mm. Uh, I know as a, a new Christian, I was out in the rough stuff. I was a shearer, and I became a Christian and went out to share the gospel because that's what you're supposed to do. And I drove people away and wanted them to get violent with me because all I knew was um, I'm going to heaven and you're going to hell. Almost picking and, a fight. Yeah, by the time I was, you know, get to the point of blurt out, you know, this is what has to happen. I didn't have a clue what I was doing because I was trying to do it myself. Yeah. And um, when I realised that, I'm not sure how far along, unless the Holy Spirit does the work, mm. it can't happen. <sighs> All Jesus wants us to do is go out there and, you know, when you get up in the morning, Lord, I know you're dwelling in me. I am useless. I can't do anything. Um, bring a divine appointment. Bring somebody along that you are preparing by your Holy Spirit to come across my path, you've prepared me, just do your stuff, Lord. And then I just go out and talk to people, make friends. It's amazing (laughs) what God does. Great thoughts, Phil. Uh, Stu, what are your thoughts for Phil? Absolutely, and I think what you're talking about there is, is that second aspect we talked about of of um, looking for the opportunities in our day-to-day lives, looking for those, and that's an issue of focus. I think, um, interesting, because I, I run seminars in churches all the time, Phil, and um, I, I had uh, a seminar where someone came up to me and they said, oh, you know, I really want to share the gospel, but I just, I just never get any opportunities. There just doesn't seem to be anyone who wants to hear about Jesus. And I sort of had a chat with that guy. The following week, I ran another seminar, and I had this little old lady come up to me. We're having a cup of tea, a break in the seminar, and she said, Stuart, isn't it wonderful how it doesn't matter where you go? You know, if you go out of your home, you know, you just always bump into someone who needs to hear about Jesus and wants to listen. And I was thinking, <laughs> wow, are we living in the same world here? These two people, one saying there's opportunities everywhere, and, and everyone's, you know, wants to hear about Jesus, and the other person's saying, no one wants to hear about Jesus. And I think it's an issue of focus, which is a really important point that you brought, Phil. We need to be praying, saying, God, give us opportunities. And, and, and even more than that, I would say, let's pray, God, help me to create opportunities in my day-to-day lives. Help me to be so focused on seeing people come to know you that, that I create opportunities as I go around uh, through your, the power of your Holy Spirit moving on people's hearts and on their lives 
Um, and, and the speaking of the gospel, which is so powerful, we'll see this, you know, people's lives change. Phil, thank you so much for your call. Let's see if we can squeeze one more in. Leanne in Mackay in Queensland. Hello, Leanne. Hi, Neil and, and Stuart. How are you? Really well. Leanne, need to be quick. What are your thoughts? I just think that it's um, Australians like friendship evangelism, basically, if you see a need, go out and help them, and then God will give you opportunity to talk to them about uh, Christ. Leanne, you're making a great point. And uh, friendship evangelism, Stu, uh, one means sometimes we hear a message about that and we think that's the only way. Your thoughts for Leanne? Absolutely. I mean, it's it's a it's a wonderful form of evangelism uh, as long as you're sharing the gospel. I have had people sort of say to me, "Oh, I'm into friendship evangelism." I say, "Oh, that's great." Uh, so you're making friends with people. Yes, uh, you're sharing the gospel with them. Well, I haven't really got to that yet. And I've had to lovingly say to them, "Well, you're actually into friendship. You're not into friendship evangelism because there's no evangelism going on." And so, as long as you know people, when they say friendship evangelism, they're not using that as an excuse not to actually share the gospel, and they're saying, "Well, I'm I'm going to." get around to it sometime I think within the context of a friendship it's the best opportunity to share the gospel I mean you've got ongoing follow up with that person they can see your life they can see how you're living your life so you can you can demonstrate Christ to them you know rather than just a random person on the street that you meet once and you can't really impact over time so friendships I think are, are wonderful opportunities as long as we're bold enough to take that step and share the gospel with them Thank you so much to Leanne, and time is short, and I often like to talk to you about this G7 app. Mm. Now, uh, just a couple of minutes remaining for our conversation, but the G7 app, and and I know you like to say to people, use whatever tracts. Mm-hmm. Uh, flip charts, mm-hmm. uh, the idea of, you know, there are wonderful sites like Yes, He Is, and so yeah. you can actually supercharge your social media use. Right. Uh, just uh, focus on the G7 app for a moment because this is your baby. Mm-hmm. Uh, people can download that when they go to the Train, Train to Proclaim website, and yep. uh, it makes sharing the gospel easy. Yep, and you can just go to your app store, um, you know, the Google Play Store or the um, Apple um, Play Store, uh, Apple Store, right? App Store. Uh, just type in G7 or Gospel in 7. That's Gospel IN and the number 7. And you can download the app. The app is fantastic, Neil, because you've got your phone on you all the time. You, when those opportunities come or you create those opportunities, you can pull up your phone and say, hey, have a look at this. This explains it really well. And you can take them through a fantastic presentation of the gospel. It's animated. It's interesting. Uh, it engages people. It's gentle. Uh, you're both looking at a screen so there's no eyeballing. It removes the confrontation. Makes it a very uh, loving and non-confrontational way of sharing the gospel. Uh, people love to use the app. Um, not just young people. Young people love it, but even older people, uh, we're always showing things to people on our phones all the time. So uh, it's a very culturally appropriate way of sharing the gospel. So I hope people enjoy it. Do download it. Have a look at it. There's an internal tutorial in there. Uh, click on that. And if you go through that, it's only half an hour long. Uh, it's a video. It'll teach you how to use the app and you'll be away. And it is free. <laughs> and I'll tell you how you can do it. Just simply uh, train to proclaim.com gives you that detail. As Stu yep. says, go to your app store and you can download it. You can have that functioning in the next few minutes. Absolutely.
StuTrainToProclaim.com. I'll mention too that you're available to do seminars. Mm-hmm. If you're invited, you'll do your able best to get to wherever uh, people yep. want to uh, have you speak to their congregation, men's group, uh, particular camps and all sorts of things. TrainToProclaim.com is how you get in touch with Stu Miller, the founder of Train to Proclaim. Stu, thanks so much for sharing your thoughts and your heart with us once again today on 2020. Thanks, Neil. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.